future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Hey everybody, 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 welcome, welcome. Yes, it is Monday, April 4th, 2022. Welcome to a special afternoon edition of Raging Chickens Out to Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards from across the country. You can also join us at the end of the week for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you can check out our once or twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril is a progressive columnist from the Bucks County Courier Times, The Intelligencer, and the new editor-in-chief of the Bucks County Beacon. He joins me to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show right now by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Just head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. And you can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Hit that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and smash that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. You can also hop on our Discord server. Info on that is in today's show notes. And for more PA Progressive Talk, you hear me say it every week, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream every single night on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. Head on over to therigsmithshow.com for the latest across all the platforms. You know it. You know the drill. Hit him up, watch his shows, and join in. And you must also definitely have to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast, the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter and at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. Subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And attention gamers, the Game In, that's with two ends. The Game In is a Quakertown-based black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, loads of collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, literally walls of Funko Pops. And kids get discounts when they get all A's in their report card. How can you beat that? Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them at Twitter at, at the Game In. If you got a question about a game, look for something hard to get, shoot them a message and drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at at Man. That's with two N's, at Man on Twitter. And as show notes, uh, tonight, later tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, join me again to talk with David Becker. David will be talking about his recent article in Descent Magazine, Toxic Financing. And that piece, he looks at into how outbreaks of COVID-19 in schools across the country expose the crisis of our schools' long-ignored infrastructure. But more than that, he shows how the way the United States finances school building improvements and maintenance only worsen the problem. Well, right now, you are here uh, for one special reason, and I'm really excited for this show. Excited is probably not exactly the word I would use to talk about this because it's, uh, I don't think either one of us would want to be here today. Um, but I welcome Rick Smith to the show today. And listeners to Raging Chickens podcast know that Rick is the founder and host of the Rick Smith Show. For those of you who don't know, the Rick Smith Show is by working people for working people. It's a place that serves up a heaping portion of democracy with a side of fairness, the grit of teams, the teamster, and no apologies. That's for sure. 
where where the facts are center, science is real, where everyone gets a seat at the table. And I think that you'll find today's show will only underscore Rick's commitment to building a strong, democratic, inclusive, and equitable union movement for and by working people. On his show last week, Rick blew the whistle about a history of allegations of sexist and abusive behavior by the newly appointed president of the PA AFL-CIO, Frank Snyder. As a result, there is now an investigation into the history of those allegations, and Rick is calling on um, is calling out, <clears throat> excuse me, um, calling on the AFL-CIO president, former the outgoing president, Rick Bloomingdale, to quote take responsibility for enabling the abusive behavior of the the person who is placing him as the most powerful labor force in uh, labor voice in Pennsylvania. He is also calling on Bloomingdale to release the women workers from their NDAs and to quote issue a statement allowing former employees to talk about the investigation uh, talk to the investigators and reporters about the abuses without fear of being sued for violating any NDA or confidentiality agreement. Well Rick, I wish I could say that this was under better circumstances to have you on the show, but uh, welcome to the show. Thanks Kevin, I appreciate the time. Hey, you got it. Well, look, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, I don't think that you ever wanted to be in this kind of uh, kind of this position, that you have been doing nothing but building uh, a voice of the working class, uh, labor radio, labor programming in order to support the building, the strength of the union movement. Um, so why don't you take us back to your decision last week um, to kind of go public with some of these things and take us through what that was like? Um, I'll tell you, I when I heard the news that uh, Frank Snyder had been coronated president of the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO. I, I was shocked because I had been told repeatedly throughout the years that that was never going to happen. I was told by Rick Bloomingdale himself numerous times, as has no, numerous people across the movement. I've been told by other leaders that that was never going to happen. Uh, they knew his abuses. They knew his temperament. They knew how inept he has been over the years, how volatile he is. Uh, he doesn't have the temperament for the job. And they, they all assured me, never going to happen. And then when I saw it, I, I got to be honest, I, uh, I, I sat for two hours mm -hmm. uh, without, without being able to move. And I've said for years that if he ever became the president of that institution, it would be my job to ensure that he was no longer that, uh, that, in that position because that is the most powerful position uh, in this state, he is the voice of the voiceless. He is the the leader of the movement, and I don't know how you can have that person be someone with a history that I witnessed firsthand. I don't know how you can have someone who is as abusive, as narcissistic, as as destructive as someone like Frank Snyder, and I I was angry. I was, I felt betrayed, and ultimately I, I moved to action. You know, I, I said, you know, I can't, I can't sit idly by. And mm -hmm. fortunately, I'm, uh, my one little spark, my one little coming out and saying that this is unacceptable, uh, that there's still time for the executive council and the delegates at the convention to do something. Uh, they have done something. They've they've begun an investigation into the allegations. And the women who have contacted me, and there have been a uh, a number, uh, they are speaking to the investigators as we speak. And and I'm 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 glad that that's happened. Well, you know, when I think about this, is I mean, obviously, this is directly related to exactly what you said. Here's the leader of the labor movement, right? This is the one who's at the top of the pinnacle. And I have to say, this also affects every other union. 
right, whether they're affiliated with the AFL-CIO or not, who stands next to him when they're going to lobby, where they're kind of building a movement, where they're calling off for protests, it taints everyone in the labor movement. And this is why I think it, you rightfully said on your show and on Twitter that this is one of those moments. This is a which side are you on movement um, where we need to make sure that these people at the top are being held accountable. Otherwise, who the hell are we to ask any worker to stand up to their bosses when the labor movement's willing to let these kind of abuses happen at the, at the very top? I mean, that's kind of... I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but that's kind of where I come at this. And this is what gets absolutely infuriating for me is that this is a time for everyone to stand up and be counted. And, you know, here's the thing, Kevin, and this is where I'm. I take no joy in this. I take mm -hmm. no. Uh, I take no pleasure in it and I take no credit for it. Uh, my, my wife gave me the, you know, I'm so proud of you speech the other day. And I say there's there's no there, there's there's none of that here. Uh, this is a failure on my part. Um, this is this is this is a moment I'm not proud of, and I should be given no, no credit for this. Uh, I failed these women in the six years that I worked there, and I believe that in in a small way I made it worse. And, and let me explain. Yeah, I was gonna say how so. I am a true believer. If you listen to my show, if you've ever heard heard my program, you know I believe in the power of collective action. You know I believe in the power of the labor movement to make people's lives better. You know that I believe wholeheartedly, viscerally in my soul that being a union member gives you an opportunity to make lives better. My experience growing up in a housing project on the west side of Cleveland to now living in a neighborhood with doctors and lawyers has shown me that there is a path to make lives better. And the labor movement has done that for me and for millions of others. I watched as Frank Snyder turned women into crying balls of humiliated balls of messes. And I would go into Rick Bloomingdale's office and say, he can't treat them like that. You have to do something. And he would say, well, he's just blowing off steam. It'll pass. Whatever excuse would come out of this. And I would be mad at the women. And this is where, this is the important part here. This is where I was wrong. And this is where I made things worse. And this is where I have taken responsibility. I was mad at them. And this is why I didn't act. Because I blamed the women for Frank Snyder's behavior. And this is why I am so wrong and why I feel in this moment horrible. Because I blamed the victims for that person victimizing them. Because I truly believed and understand my experience when dealing with a bully is you stand up to that bully and you poke that bully in the chest. And you, sh and you, you stand up to him. That has been my experience. When Frank Snyder tried to bully me, I laughed at him. And he walked away in a huff. Because that's what, in my world, that's how it's done. Right. So when I looked at these women who cowered in the moment, who absorbed his abuse, who took the abuse and said and did nothing, I was angry at them for taking it. Because I said, you're a union member. You hold the same kind of union card that I have. And where my failure was, Kevin, is I believed that we were equals. 
I believed that that woman and, and I were the same, that we were brothers and sisters, that the union would fight for us the same. And I was wrong. And all, the, all during that time, as I'm angry at them, they're looking at me like, oh, oh, silly man. You don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand yeah. what can happen to us. You don't understand the retribution that will come if we file this grievance. You don't understand that the union won't fight as vigorously for us as they will for you. You don't understand how hard it will be for us to get another job in the labor movement or anywhere else. And I learned that after the fact. And this, this coming out and, and, and doing what I'm doing now is a small, in a small way, my trying to make amends to those people that I made their lives a little bit worse. And while I, I stood and I, I tried to make the situation better, and, and look, in my heart of hearts at the moment, I thought I was doing the right thing. I true, and, and, and look, the, the road to, to hell is paved with good intentions. Sure. And I, I recognize that. But in this moment... I cannot, in good conscience, not do everything in my power to ensure that that man who made so many people's lives so miserable, knowing that he was the number two guy there, be the number one guy with no constraints whatsoever. I can't imagine how horrible he will be unconstrained by anyone being above him. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, man, I'm... Look... I know that this is I know that this is the kind of thing I appreciate what you're saying. Right. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, taking the accountability where the accountability is. But I think that this is precisely the dynamic of that is, you know, behind behind every workplace that works like this. And the fact is, is that, you know, like you said, you trusted that the system would work. Right. And had to learn the hard way. Right. Of the price that these women were paying. Right. Because, you know, we've talked since we know that would happen. You know, we know what happens to women who come forward and do this. We know what happens with kind of like 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 black workers who come forward and, and put the kind of grievances out. Right. They get a dis they get the different kind of treatment overall. Then they're barred from ever working in labor again. Right. They're not considered for any kind of future job applications. And it is that kind of backroom boys network which keeps it in place. And I have to say what you've described is no different than any other of the more abusive workplaces that we have seen that have been exposed to the Me Too movement and elsewhere. And to think that we've got to take care of our own house and labor seems to be necessary. And this is why I do look, I mean, I, I mean, look, you're, I mean, take accountability, yes. And I do think there's accountability for all of us of what we do now. And this is why I was so like, I just thought it was so important to be able to talk to you today about this stuff and have this kind of like, we'll find the time to talk about this because from my perspective, I'm a member of a union. We're not affiliated with the AFL-CIO, but our union needs to be paying attention to this. I've watched as Frank Snyder has come in. He's been the invited guest and the privileged guest that's come into our legislative assemblies to talk about the future of the labor movement, right? So I feel that that space of my own union is tainted. And I know this is true right across the board. And I think in the wake of what we've seen this past week with the incredible like Amazon, Amazon, like, <laughs> Amazon unionization efforts, what we've seen at the start, what's happened at Starbucks across the country, where workers are showing us a different path of building from from the ground up worker centered power organization. Right. This is the choice. The choice is, do you go back to the old boys network and cover this up while women and people of color and people that are kind of down below get mistreated in our own house? Or are we going to get behind those people 
and let them lead us into that future where workers are centered. And this is something you would have always said on your show. It's for and by working people. Not about working people by the leadership at the top. No, it is working people organizing to take power. And so, you know, I see this. I look at this as thankful that this is out in the open right now so that we can all take part in this. And this is why I think, like, why I appreciate you saying, look, you know, you put yourself at the center of this. Right. You became the, the, the whistleblower that you never wanted to have to be. Right. But now all of us have a choice about what we do. Anybody who's listening to this, anybody who's listening to the show about are you going to step up and which side are you on? Right. And I know that's not what you came here to talk about, <laughs> but I want a message to go out loud and clear from my perspective. No, look, look, this isn't about me. Look, I'm going to I'm going to suffer the consequences that I'm going to suffer. And I, I probably deserve it to a point for not not doing more more at the moment that I, I should have. I should have been much more forceful at the moment. And I regret that. Uh, this is about those workers who were abused that that have suffered the trauma of, of the, the abuse. And now in speaking with people who have to relive that because he has now ascended to the number one position that everyone was told he would never ascend to. And, and look, I go back to what I said a moment ago. As bad as he was, uh, as, as abusive as he was, I can't imagine if he's allowed to take the, the reins as the leader of that institution, how bad that will be. Uh, now, this is where this is where I come back to this moment of the labor movement is supposed to be the place where we take on bullies and we give the powerless power. We give the voiceless a voice where we, we make lives better. This isn't where we protect the bullies. This isn't where we silence people with NDAs. And I call on Rick Bloomingdale to do the right thing for once. This has been 12 years too long of shielding and sheltering and condoning the kind of behavior that, sadly, I have allowed to, to, to go unnoticed for too long. Uh, Rick Bloomingdale still has an opportunity before he is out of office at the end of May to do something finally for once to rein in the abuses of Frank Snyder. He has the ability to make sure that this investigation happens and that he himself goes and bears his soul before the executive committee and to those investigators and ensures that Frank Snyder never, never takes reign of that institution. Because look, I believe in the power of that institution. I believe in the importance of a strong, united labor movement. But it can only be strong and united if everyone, and I mean everyone, has a voice and a position in that institution. You cannot have someone talking the talk if they're kicking the shit out of everyone below them. And this cannot be allowed to, to stand. And every working person, whether you're in a union or not, can't allow hypocrites to lead what is, in my view, the purest opportunity for equality and, 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 and a future in this country and, and a way to, to balance the playing field, to give, right. to give opportunity to... Well, the kids like me growing up into projects and the opportunity of a better life. And for me, that's where this fight is. It's that's where this fight really is about. And to be honest, Kevin, the other part of this is, you know, I've had someone go, well, you just don't like Frank Snyder. It's true. I'll be, I'll be, you know, this, you've known me for years. I could vouch for that. I could vouch for that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, we're not on terrestrial radio, right? 
<laughs> We're not on trust you ready. You can do what you say what you want. <laughs> I have, let's say I have no love for the man. But this isn't about him. It really isn't. Uh, he has been allowed to be as abusive and as, as horrible as he has been all these years because the people of around, around him have condoned it and protected it and still moved him forward. The Rick Bloomingdales of the world have allowed his behavior and have condoned it. Nobody has told him no. It's like a child. If in the cereal aisle, every time he throws a temper tantrum, you give him what they want, they're going to continue to do and they're going to continue to do. I am now standing up and I am saying no more. And it's time for every person in the labor movement, and I'm calling on every single labor leader to stand up and say, we will not tolerate this, we will not stand for it, and go to the executive council, tell your stories, go to the investigators, tell your stories, and do not let that man, do not let that that situation to continue and right the ship and make this truly a true workers' movement. Yeah, look, and I look at like this. If they have any questions about it, if they want to pretend that nobody knew what was going on and they say they have big question marks over their head, the easy, well, right, 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 I understand. But the easiest thing for them to do is then to open the, make the investigation open and let everybody come forward and they can listen for themselves, right? What's going to drive me crazy, right, is I worry about this, Rick. What I worry about, as I've seen these freaking investigations before. Right. And a lot of times what these investigations amount to is people's getting their stories straight, circling the wagons so that they can tell a collective story about how Rick Smith is the bad guy. And you know where I saw that? I saw a movie about this. Right. Except it was about the tobacco industry. Yeah. Right. It was about the tobacco industry. And that's exactly what they did to whistleblowers in there. They've got all the executives got together and they even went to Congress. And they said, no, we don't know what's going on. And that guy over there is full of crap, right? And then the subtle intimidation comes in, right? The little whisper campaigns about, oh, Rick doesn't like Frank. And that's really what this is all about. All that nonsense. So from, from my perspective, what is going to give this investigation a legitimacy within the labor movement? I mean, what's going to be necessary for workers to be able to trust that the leaders at the top of the AFL, PA, AFL-CIO have done their due diligence and are not going to let this abuse stand if that's true, truly the case. What has to happen is all of the women who have, who have suffered abuse under Frank Snyder's thumb, they have to come forward and they have to speak to the, to the investigators. And look, I, I know the two investigators, um, Phil Glover from the American Federation of Government Employees and Michelle Kessler from UFCW. I know them both. Uh, I trust them. I believe that they will do their their due diligence. Uh, but I don't know the executive council. I don't know what they'll do with that report. I have been told that there is potentially a third-party investigator being hired to look into this because the allegations that they're being told are, are, are substantial. Uh, the number of people who have reached out to me are substantial. Um, so if you have stories reach out to those reach out to me and I will put you in touch with with Phil and and Michelle and they have told me that they will take your story anonymously uh, they understand that you know people have taken other jobs in other unions they want they want people's they want people's stories now understand this is a small universe when I talk about pe stories everybody knows who those people are and I don't want to out anyone right but it's that small of a universe that everyone knows who, who the, these, these, these souls are. Nobody wants to out them. Nobody wants to ruin their circumstances. But ultimately, 
in order for him to be held accountable, people have to step forward and speak out. And again, this is where I go back to my privilege. And I have been, and I now, I now recognize as, as an old white guy who's been a union member my entire life, I now realize how fortunate I have been to have never worked in a non-union setting where I can't tell a boss who's yelling at me to shut up uh, or to tone down or to walk away from them or to get me a representative. This is those moments where we should be talking about how do we empower women to think like Rick Smith, to stand up for themselves, and, and how do we make our union movement more equal uh, so that everyone feels empowered like I do? Uh, instead of me victimizing them, make, thinking they are empowered like I am, how do we get them to be empowered like I am? How do we make sure that they have the same rights and the same beliefs that I do? And, and that's, that's my mission going forward. 100%. I think Emily uh, uh, has a good word of advice, too, as well. It's like she says, you know, please, if any victim is going to come forward, get support from a local county victim support service agencies, too, as well. Reach out, get support networks around you, too, as well, um, to kind of ensure that folks can come forward. Absolutely. No, and I, look, if I can add to that, you know, yeah. I had a bunch of friends and this is I, I don't I I never realized how fortunate and how, how lucky I am. Uh, I've had a bunch of people reach out to me and uh, you, you being one of them, and thank you, uh, who've said, hey, you okay? How are things going? Uh, you know, I, I know you've got to be taking a bunch of abuse. I know you, you're, you're probably under a lot of stress. And to be honest, no, I'm angry. Uh, I handle things a lot differently than most people. I'm just pissed. Uh, but I want to I thank people who have reached out to me and have, have, have said, we've got your back. I want, and as I've said, I wish I could have been there for the people that uh, in that kind of way and just been more supportive instead of being the ultimate man and saying, let's fix this. Uh, because that not that the male mentality, Kevin? We're going to get in there, roll up the sleeves and get and fix this? I wish I could have just said, hey, what can I do? What do you need from me? How can I help? Instead of, no, this is what you need to do and let's do this. And I, 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 I've learned. I've learned. Let's 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 go there. Yeah, and I really do think, listen, this I think is another lesson, and this is really kind of going out to, you know, listeners who are out there who are kind of uh, members of the labor movement. And I'm not just talking about labor leaders, right? I'm talking about, like, people who are, who are like, you know, I mean, like, the statement I've always said, right, when, when I started to, when I'm criticizing people in my own union, right, when I'm kind of, like, having those arguments, you've heard me say this before, right? So this is not going to be strange for anybody else to hear. What I always try to say, lead my conversations when I'm engaging with, say, say, some critique or some hard conversations is like, look, I bleed union, right? So I'm not, I'm not bringing this to you or I'm not raising this problem because I want to take down the union. I'm bringing this because I think we need to make the union stronger. And what you're doing is not doing that. Right. It's taking us in the wrong direction. And I saw what you're doing is the, the same thing. It's like, look, and so here's, here's my call for everyone who's out there who may be involved in the labor movement, kind of the grassroots. One thing that struck me is that when Rick came out and put this stuff, when his show was out there, when he was tweeting about this, when I was retweeting, you saw a few other people, things got kind of quiet in the whole social media sphere, right? And I'm not, look, there's always limits to social media, right? But one of the things that I take that as is people are being extraordinarily careful because they're worried inside that small universe, as Rick was saying. 
They're worried because, oh, if they say something, oh, my God, is their funding going to get hit? Are they going to be out of a job? Are they going to have the pressure? Right? Well, guess what? This is where collective action is critical. And if you look at what happened in the Me Too movement, right, what gave people the courage to come forward is knowing that they were not going to be alone, that other people were going to stand by their side, shoulder to shoulder, publicly, and join that fight with them. Right. And this is one of these moments. This is one of these moments for folks, even if you were not the person who was victimized by Frank Schneider, if you know of it, right, or you're connected with it, you want to make space for this investigation to happen, then this is your time to stand up and make yourself known. So that's at the end of my diatribe at this point on this one. But so, Rick, let me ask you this is kind of way, you know, I know that you've got a ton of stuff going on. <laughs> but if we're looking at first of all, I've got two things, two things left. I want to talk to you. One is that is there anything else that you want to that you want to say that you want to put on the table? And then I want to talk a little bit about what people should be doing and what people could expect moving forward. So is there anything else that you want to put on the table you want to say? Look, at the end of this, there's, uh, as I said, there's. The only way I see going forward is for the Pennsylvania AFL's CIO Executive Council to move forward with their investigation and remove Frank Snyder. He can solve all this. He can resign uh, right now. Uh, he can go away and, and allow this whole situation to heal and that institution to move forward and, and rebuild in a positive way that will actually help us uh, you know, move. Look, November is a, is a huge... It's a huge moment. If right. if this election cycle goes the wrong way, Pennsylvania is going to be a right to work state next year. And we need a vibrant labor movement to fight back against all of those attacks that are coming. Um, Rick Bloomingdale, I, I hope he will attempt, attempt to save what what tatters are left of his legacy, uh, given the fact that that this guy is now uh, his successor. I hope in this moment he will he will dig into his conscience and and realize what he is leaving behind and do the right thing on the way out the door uh, to at least leave something. But moreover, uh, it comes down to, to the leadership of, of all the people across the state who, uh, who really have, have sh shielded this guy and all the people who voted for him. You know, this isn't new, Kevin. You know, back in yeah. 2016, there was a lawsuit. Uh, Josh Idelson did an article on this where, you know, there was a Pennsylvania labor leader who was calling women bitches and, you know, saying horrible things about women uh, campaign, you know, the, the campaign staff uh, that was working for the AFL-CIO. And there was a lawsuit and the national paid out a bunch of money that uh, I understand President AFL President Liz Shuler signed the checks for. There's a lot of there's a lot of complicity here. Uh, there's a lot here that people have to atone for. And still this man has has risen to the top of the heap when a lot of the red flags were, were, were you know, were, were flying. Uh, this, this has to stop. And, and I think just a moment of take a breath, you know, how do we in good conscience right the ship and how do we look those women in the face and say, we're sorry, you know, doesn't mean that there's going to, going to be lawsuits. It just means, Hey, we're sorry. We're going to do better. Now I do know that there's an EEOC investigation going on right now, over the allegations that that we've been talking about, uh, the woman has sent has sent me her claim. I don't know her. I've read it, and I'll tell you right now. Everything that she has written, I have seen. I don't know her. I I've never seen her at work. I've never 
I don't know when she worked. But if any of the people that I worked with would have put their name on it, I would have signed it because that was the culture. That was what happened every day in that, in that workplace. And I reiterate, it was the most hostile, toxic workplace that I've ever been a part of. And, and look, I can't imagine there being a non-union workplace any worse. And this is one of those moments where we're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be better than that. And when we have someone who's out there walking the walk and then kicking the shit out of the people on the bottom, we can't have that. And one last thing. Yeah. One of the images that, that popped into my head, and I, I hope that there are the women out there listening, especially if you're part of a woman's group. One of the things that sticks in my mind is every group has awards dinners and has, you know, those moments where they give labor leaders, you know, awards and have have them come and speak. I got to tell you, I can't imagine having this man stand before a woman's group and, and you give them, give him an award about him being a great humanitarian and a great fighter for women's rights and equality. If he makes it through this, please don't give this motherfucker an award for anything. Don't don't degrade your institution for that. That's my ask. One hundred percent. Well, listen, I'll also uh, got to say so, Rick, my understanding now, this is uh, um, Frank Snyder is set to take over. Is it June 1st is when his office technically. So you've got a short window of time here. Yes. To ask the executive committee to do the right thing. If you are a member of a union that's affiliated with the PAAFL-CIO, right, get together with your coworkers and say that you want to see the investigation move forward, that you want to kind of make sure that Rick Bloomingdale issues that caught a call, basically says those women who may have, like, you know, NDAs or non-disclosure agreements, that kind of or confidentiality agreements, they should be feeling it's okay to come forward to tell their story for the good of the institution, right? That is on him. That is on the executive committee of the PAAFL-CIO, and that is on all of us um, to do our part in kind of putting pressure on our leaders to do the right, right. thing. Right, and I also all, I would add to that, and I'm not a lawyer, but I would argue um, that the non-disclosure agreements are the PAAFL-CIO centric i would argue that they don't apply when talking to the paafl cio of which the investigators are part of uh, i would argue that that talking to somebody else a reporter or me that that would probably be enforceable but speaking to the pennsylvania afl cio about treatment at the pennsylvania afl cio i don't believe the nda would be enforceable so please by all means uh, talk to those investigators. Call Phil and Michelle, and if you need their numbers, contact me. Uh, Twitter, email at Rick Rick at the Rick Smith Show dot com, uh, at Rick Smith Show on Twitter, Facebook. I'm there. Uh, get Kevin to get in touch with me. However, you have to do that. I will put you on in touch with them. Uh, they will talk to you anonymously. Uh, I will never share your name. That will not happen. Uh, Kevin, I know won't. Uh, this is not about that. This is about getting people's stories. If you are a member of a union that's affiliated, hound them, pressure them to make that report public. Make sure that they pushed, push that report. Uh, because while I know Phil and Michelle will do the best report possible, I can't guarantee that the executive council is going to going to move on it. Which is why I am out here talking with reporters every day and pushing to make sure that this does not go away. 
that that report becomes public and that we are able to see what what they come up with and that it, it jives with the stories that I'm being told. 100%. Well, Rick, look, man, I'm there with you, right? Um, with a lot of other people that are going to stand by your side and to fight with you alongside this. I appreciate you being willing to take the time out of your day to come on here and to kind of um, tell the story, talk about what's going on and helping kind of keep on pushing this ball forward. I want to remind everybody, um, definitely check out, go to ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. Tune into his show. Um, I will put links to all of uh, ways to get in touch with Rick um, in today's show notes. So if you want to get in touch with him, um, you've got a story that you want to tell. Um, you can also call into his shows <laughs> um, where you can tell some of your stories. Um, all that information will be in today's show notes. Uh, I feel for your brother. I'm with there. I'm with there with you. And uh, I really appreciate you taking time out on the show for today. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right, you got it. So this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I want to remind you, we're going to be back again at 7 p.m. tonight with David Becker. We're going to be talking about toxic financing in our public schools. And remember, just another reminder that you have all the info on how to get in touch with Rick in today's show notes. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We're going to be out of here. We'll see you in just a few short hours. All right, everybody, stand up, get together. See ya!